Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambodasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambodasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambodasa we are discussing with regard to how Buddha taught us to be in the domain of meditation at all time. He not only instructs us to be in the domain of our meditation for serious practitioner, he also gives us how to. In fact, he grouped seven different groups of various ways how to be mindful at all time to be in the domain of our meditation. And it is taught under the word Pali word of Sampajanya. Today, we are going to talk about one section where Buddha said, <coughs> Bhikkhu, Bhikkhu means to the monks, Bhikkhus. When one is applying the ropes, applying the ropes, one must be aware unknown that one is applying the ropes. And when one is using the begging bowl, one must be fully aware of that one is using the begging bowl. That's how Buddha said. <coughs> of course, in details, our teachers and the wise of the past have expanded based on their students and how they do what they do, more detailed instruction. The monks have uh, three pieces of cloth that they wear. One is uh, the lower part of the body. It covers the lower part of the body. The other one is a bigger rope that covers the upper part of the body. And the third one is a, a big, thick rope so that you can protect yourself from cold, like weather, rain, and so on, heat. Three pieces of ropes. And also, they have a, a piece of string, a rope, let's say a rope, more like a belt, so that they can tie it on the lower garment, lower piece of the rope. Those are with regard to the ropes, they are four pieces all together. So when the Buddha said, when specifically when you are applying or putting on the lower small piece of rope, they have a specific name for it. One must be fully aware of every movement, manner, gesture, 
intention. And one is applying the upper rope. In the same manner, one must be fully aware of his intention, putting, adjusting, covering. And also when one is applying the belt, okay, the rope, which is the belt, one must be fully aware of it. And when one uses the third big ropes <coughs> for to cover from the cold, or at night you can cover over as a blanket, and so on. One must be fully aware of what you are doing. In every instance, okay, until and unless you are time-pressed, of course you can observe in a general way, but if you are not time-pressed, one must observe and know in detail every intention, every stretching, every taking, putting on, putting off, and so on and so forth. And throughout the day too, the monks are always sitting and standing and walking and walk about in the monastery or wherever they're invited. So these ropes have to be adjusted at all time. And even specifically, when you are adjusting the rope, one must know. When you are covering it, one must know. When you are opening it, one must know. In other words, every little details must be known, must be done with full awareness. That is, with regard to the ropes. <coughs> and also, they have a bowl. The monks are allowed to own a bowl where they go for arms round. In other words, that's a bowl that they put their food and eat. So when you are using the bowl, one must be aware. Okay? One must be aware of that one is using the bowl. When you are stretching for the bowl to take, you must know the intention to stretch, stretching, stretching. And when you are touching it, one must know that you are touching. When you are pulling towards you, one must know that you are pulling towards you. And when you are carrying along with you, one must know that you are carrying. Of course, we use the conventional words. But accurately, it is the specific characteristics that arises in the act of these conceptual words or conventional words that as one needs to be aware of. As an example, let's say you're stretching for the bow, stretching, stretching, stretching. You are touching the bowl, touching. Okay, of course. Everybody knows when you touch something, you know that you touch something. Do you fully understand what touching means? When you touch something, yeah. Somebody touched me, I know. I touch somebody, I know. I touch a cup, I know. I touch a bowl, I know. How deeply do you know? 
how detailed do you know? Okay, touching. All those, of course, we always do. Rising, 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 sitting, falling, 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 touching, touching. Okay, touching, touching. What is touching, touching? How well do you know? What is touching? Okay, today I will approach from a different way. In fact, I have already explained it. That's why the brightest and the certain level of theory must go hand in hand. What is vipassana? Okay, especially what is the object of meditation, object of observation in vipassana? If you know the answer to it, it becomes quite easy. The object of vipassana meditation, what is not, is concept. Every concept is not an object of meditation for vipassana practitioner. Form, shade, size, those are concepts. A bowl, a cup, a plate, shoes, fan, and so on. If you are referring that, then that's a concept. And every conceptual object is not the object of vipassana. So what is? The object of vipassana is paramatta, ultimate reality, the true nature as it is. And if you understand that clearly, you already know what touching is. In a theoretical sense, touching. Okay, what is touching? Instantly, immediately, you might be even stomped. How do I explain touching? Okay. You know as soon as you touch it, instantly you know. As soon as you somebody touch you, instantly you know. If you go from the theory, it must be ultimate reality. What is touching? Touching is, in Pali, is puttapa, touching. Puttapa, and puttapa is touching. When it is touching, there are two things. There's an object outside, okay, object outside, external object. That has nothing to do with you. And there is the, you can call it the internal object, body sensitivity. A certain parts of your bodies which exclude nails, fingers, nails, toenails, teeth, hair. They don't have sensitivity. The rest of the bodies have sensitivity. That sensitivity okay, that body sensitivity and the object outside come in contact and that moment that is touching happens. 
and in touching what kind of elements are involved in touching. There is earth element, hardness and softness. Through that hardness and softness you can touch. Touch happen. Without that, you can't. Hardness and softness. And also, whenever you touch an object, you know there has a temperature, cold or hot. Through the Dejodatu, fire element, you know the touching. And there is a vibration, very sensitive vibration. Through that vibration, you know. And there's water element. Water element cannot be observed or known in the touching process. So there are three elements. Whenever there's a touching, three elements can be detected and observed. Earth element, fire element, and wind element. So touching means as soon as you touch it, if you go back from the theory, you know the hardness and softness, you know the temperature, you know there's a vibration. Knowing the hardness, softness, hot and cold and vibration, based on which one is dominant, at that moment is called touching. That's it. We noted, we labeled it touching, 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 touching. Do you know? Yes, I know. Do you truly, clearly know? Okay. You directly, experientially know with a aid of a, a certain extent of theory you also know on a how to explain in an intellectual level. That's what touching means. We always say touching, touching, seeing, seeing. This is the external object and internal sensitivity come in contact. In this case, it is the body sensitivity. There are different sensitivities. When they come in contact, Three kinds of elements are known, can be observed. And that experience is called touching. So touching is simply a word, a concept, conventional word. The experience is, it may be hard or cold. It may be hot or cold. Hard or soft, hot or cold. Or it may be vibration. You might observe all of them in a series, a very quick succession, or you may observe one is, which is very dominant. That's what touching means. So there's a bowl, you stretch and you touch. Touching, touching. Be aware of it. That is the way to know. That means you truly know you truly experience and you truly understand that moment which we call touching or touching the bowl. Touching the bowl is simply 
the direct experience of heart or the cold metal of the bowl. That is how it is. So the Buddha said one must know anything related with the rope, one must know anything related to the bowl. That is in one section. And as soon as they see the rope and the bowl, okay, nowadays what we see is there are so many devotees, especially the monks in the cities and stuff like that. They don't need to worry about washing their robes or cleaning their bowl. You offer all the dishes, the people wash. But in the olden days, especially if you are a practitioner, the monk has to wash his own robes. The monk has to wash his own bowl. So while you are washing your robes, one must be fully aware. When one is washing the bowl, one must be fully aware. This washing the robes and the washing the bowl, you cannot do at a very slow space. You have to have a common sense how fast to do, how fast not to do, how detailed to observe, how not detailed to observe. That is sambhajanya, one of the meaning of sambhajanya. With the common sense, you have to decide that moment how to do and what to do. So, washing the robes are included, cleaning the bowls are included. When you're washing the robes, the monks don't have a, a dozen of robes. They only have about two, maximum three, just to alternate. That's it. So they have to, around that time, they also take a bath. When you are taking a bath, one must be aware of it. So under this section, I would say, anything with the applying the ropes, washing the ropes, which associated with is taking a bath, taking a shower, and also utilizing the bowl, washing the bowl, cleaning the bowl, drying the bowl. All these things must be observed. When you are not pressed in time, do as detailed as possible. Detail means observation is very slowly and minutely because that gives you great concentration and that great concentration is required to have insight. But when you have to do with a faster pace, you have concentration, but not deep enough to penetrate into the inside. But the concentration is strong enough to protect you from the attack of kilesa. Your thoughts, which mean your thoughts are not related to loba, dosa, and moha. Just a a guard, a guide, a shield. When you're doing at a faster pace, that's a result. A guard, a guardian, a guide, a shield. When you do with an extremely small and minute detail and slow observation, that gives you great concentration, which gives you to the insight of the Nama and Rupa. So that's 
for the monks, but of course it can apply to us. The same way with us when we put on our clothes, okay, if not time press, do it very slowly. Know that you are stretching for the rope, for the clothes. If you are selecting, know that you are selecting. Okay? And if you see that likeness, oh, know that that likeness, greed. And applying, putting buttons, and so on, and so on, and so on. Don't have to explain in detail. We all know what we do. But do it with such a pace, so slow, everything is the moment. Every action is one moment, every action is one moment. If you can do that, your concentration power will be very strong. But if you do at a faster pace and still aware, the mental defilements cannot invade you. So either way it has its benefits. Again too, we are doing dishes and pots and pans when we are using those things, do with awareness. We know exactly how slow to do or how fast to do. If you are with people and guests, it is far. If you are alone, just about two or three dishes. Take 15 minutes if you want to do the whole process. Every little instant, every little movement, every little change with deep awareness and you will benefit a huge amount of concentration power if you can do it continuously without a break and without a gap. To be in the domain of a meditator means constantly aware without a break and a gap. That's what the domain of a meditator. So that's how one we can apply what the Buddhists taught to the monk to our life. In retreat we can do at home too. Some people live just by yourself. Some people like two people or some people with the family. You have to adjust accordingly. But never underestimate the observation of these all activities, daily activities, general activities. If you can observe in such a way, okay, you have a very strong concentration and when you sit, you instantly sink into the mode. It's very powerful. Some are so powerful when, while you are observing this detail, okay, we have a famous story Shen Ananda is observe, 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 like how many years, how long, don't know. But finally there he's observing. And while he is observing, the moment is, from his sitting position, he lie down. And while he's lying down, he observe his movement of his body, changing instantly moving down, moving down, moving down, heavier, 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 and so on. 
that is so powerful, powerful in the sense of concentration, it got a whole series of experience. Okay, that's it. You have to build up, of course, build up, build up, build up, not just one happen. But when you have built up enough, and at one moment when you have that enormous power of concentration, you see it in such a way, that little moment of lying down, from sitting to lying down, which might last for about 30 seconds, that seems like a life of its own. Okay? Now we are in the age of science. We have heard science fiction story. Sometime in here, there's a story. Some get got fall asleep or in a coma. In here, it's only about one hour. But within that one hour, there is another version of perception. It took a lifetime. You can have a story of a lifetime that you live in that moment. And also we heard quite often when people are about to die, they're dying, about to die, their whole life flashes in front of them. That is the story of your life in that little minute second, fraction of a second, but you actually live through the whole thing. At a certain stage, at a certain point, time becomes irrelevant. We are measuring with seconds and minutes and hours. It changes. Just like that, when you have everything perfect with concentration and momentous, powerful mindfulness, and while you're observing, that little 20 or 30 seconds of lying down movement, from sitting to lying down movement, it's a so clear and so precise, it has a life of its own, and that gives an enormous, powerful impact into the understanding of Nama and Rupa. And those are the points that enlightenments happen. For Shin Ananda, he became Arhat. Okay. Before he was only Sotapanna. His whole life, Sotapanna. He's serving the Buddha, Sotapanna. Buddha passed away, he's Sotapanna. But he got a pressure from his community, Sangha community. They want to have a, the first Sangha council. 500 monks. One requirement is all must be Arhat. And he is the only one who is not Arahat, but at the same time he is vital to this conference because he was with Buddha at almost every teaching and preaching. And even if he missed, one of the contracts he wrote with Buddha is the Buddha has to talk that sutra that he missed back to him. So in other words, he has heard firsthand everything that Buddhists taught. Not only that, he, his life is blessed with photographic memory. 
That's why he can recite, and that's why he can recite everything. That's why 499 arahats needs him. But at the same time, one of the requirements must be arahat. So they really push him to practice. But the point I'm making is when you have that moment, of course you're feeling a long time, but when you have that moment, in that one moment, everything changes because your perception of nama and rupa, even though it is a, from our point of view a blinding second, but the experience is like a lifetime of experience. The impact is totally irreversible and change. That's called enlightenment. Of course, there are many different levels, we all know. So the point I'm trying to make is don't underestimate the daily activities, especially for those people who cannot go to retreat. Okay. Yeah, we all have different situations, different opportunity. One month, two months, three months. If you don't have it, don't give up. Don't be in despair. You can live your daily life, especially emphasizing on the daily activities, if your living situation allows. Live that way. You will see the whole difference. So, that is, with that, we will conclude this one section. Must be fully aware of when you're applying the ropes, clothing, or utilizing the bowls. And the next one, the Buddha said, when you are taking meals, when you are taking meals, over there is they use the word ahara. Ahara means nutrition. They don't say rice or curry or chicken. Ahara means the essence that comes out of the food to sustain the body. That's ahara. When one is taking the meal, okay, one must be fully aware that one is taking the meal. Of course, the monks always have to go around for arms round, go for one, one and a half hour. They come back between 11 and 12. They sit down at a certain place, a certain shade, where there is some water nearby, a stream nearby. They ate. And when one is eating, the Buddha said, one must be fully aware that he is eating. The way it is explained is, first and foremost, you see, when you see the food, one must know seeing, seeing. Okay? When you are stretching for the food, even before you stretch, no wanting to stretch, and then stretching, stretching. And then when you touch the food, knows that you are touching. Touching, touching. And when you lift the food, know that you are lifting, lifting, lifting. And then 
when you open the mouth, you know that you are opening. And everywhere there's always intention, especially in that action. If you slow down, intention can be easily observed. Putting in, chewing, tasting, movements, okay. liquidation, more liquid, more solid, hard, soft, spicy, taste, wanting to swallow, swallowing, everything must be observed. To be able to observe in such a fashion, one must slow down everything. And one must put great effort to observe your intention. That is how one takes food till it finishes. So while you're eating, one has to observe that way. And in here too, all the details we can talk and talk and talk. So many things. And when you actually do, I will advise, put into two different. If you are very skillful, and if your concentration is very strong, and if you have that thing down packed, do it, everything. Fantastic. But if you are not, if you are just starting, or you have started quite a years, but you are not skillful yet, if that's the case, I would suggest a program. Create a program. Instead of going every little thing, detail, detail, details. Okay. Just exercise yourself. From the moment you see the food and collect the food, put the food, sitting down, and so on and so on and so on, till you finished. In those things, certain thoughts, certain movements, certain behavior are more distinct to you than the others. There are so many things, but pick out something that is really distinct to you about 10 or 15. 10 or 15. And then you observe that 10 or 15. Every time you eat that 15 points, you go with 15 points. Even let's say from picking, scooping the rice and finish swallowing, okay, you just created a program that is very distinct to you. 10 points. Don't miss the 10 points. Don't miss the whole thing, 15 points. And every time you eat, just do that 15, just do that 15, just do that 15. Forget about trying to catch everything. Just do that 15. And then what will happen is eventually you will be able to apply your mind directly to that 15 without a break and without a gap your concentration become very strong. But don't give up, just do that 15, 15 points, 15 actions, both nama and rupa, mind and body. When that concentration become very strong, 
you will automatically find all these little things that you didn't observe in between those one of those 15, two of those three, in between those things, they become very prominent and you see them with clarity. You don't have to go and make another program of I'm going to observe 30. You just have that program of 15 and when your concentration becomes very strong and you can do it without any wandering away, your concentration becomes very powerful and you'll be surprised how many segments, 30, 40, 50, more like one after the other, as if water flowing in the stream, you will see that way. But don't just go and try, I am going to catch everything and put every effort. You won't succeed, you'll be frustrated. You'll be in a total, in a deluded state. First and foremost is increase your concentration power. Create a program. You already know what to do. Create a program that is most distinct to you and just stick with that program. And when that program becomes very powerful, concentration increase and everything fall into places. And here, do have insight to the Nama and Rupa, you need concentration. To have a concentration, you have a very strong, powerful mindfulness. But if you are going to observe everything, everything, whatever it comes, it'll take longer time. One day, experiment it, the whole program, and pick out and create your new program within that experimental and then stick with it and stay with it and increase your power of concentration. The rest will unfold naturally. That's how I would suggest to do for those who are not skillful yet. So that is on the eating. One must be fully aware of, fully mindful of, while you are taking the food. And in here, along with this, the Buddhists give us three ways to eat meals. In general, one eat the meal with sila, morality. Second one is one eat the meals with samatha, concentration. And the third is one also eat the meal with vipassana. Three ways to eat a meal. So what does it mean by eating with sila? Eating with sila. And when you are eating with sila, one is you need reflection. Okay? You need reflection of the facts. In other words, you need to eat with yoni somanasikara, 
with full understanding, the factual understanding. So when you are eating a meal, there are certain things that you need to specifically reflect. One is, you are not eating this meal okay, to enjoy, to be happy, to have a pleasure. That's a reflection. Because we are on a spiritual path, those are the habits of the ordinary lay person. You eat food to enjoy and to be pleasurable. And also, you are not eating the food so that you become very strong and powerful. Okay? So that you can be a, a boxer or wrestler or a sprinter. Or Mr. Universe. Not for strength. Or you are not eating this meal to be beautiful. So that you become gorgeous, perfect body not fat, not thin, skin's good, have to eat this kind of food, that kind of food, really picky, and then provide it so that you become beautiful. What you are not. Not to be pleasurable, not to be strong, not to be beautiful. Those are not the reason that one should eat food. Then, for what reason do we eat? The reason we eat is we consume this food or ahara or nutrition so that we have a healthy body for health. We eat this food for health. And also we eat this food so that we won't be tortured or oppressed by the nature of thirst or hunger. If you don't have enough liquid, you will be thirsty. If you don't have enough food, you'll be hungry. And if you are under attack from thirst and hunger, you won't be able to do any other thing. So those are the objectives. To be healthy, not to be thirsty, not to be hungry. Why do we eat? For these reasons we eat. And why do we want to be healthy? Okay. Healthy, not just for the sake of healthy. There must be a purpose. Life has purpose. All human has a purpose. The purpose is not to be healthy. Healthy is to be able to do something that we would like to do. Okay? Without the health, we won't be able to do anything we don't want. Oh, anything we want. Only with health we can do it. But... In a case of a yogi, it is to practice dharma. To practice dharma, to practice meditation for that reason. Okay. So you have a very clear understanding of why you are eating and why you are behaving or refraining or applying certain ways. That is a discipline. Because it is a discipline, we call it morality. Some restraint, some application, and the whole thing is yoni somanasikara. You have a 
wise understanding and wise intention to the whole process. And that way of eating is called eating with morality. There are some people who practice. Okay? They only practice this eating with morality. The way they do was every scoop of a food, they apply that thought. Every monastery has their own little verses or motto or poem or things like that. And for our center too, we have our own. I made it a one short and precise one, if you remember. We partake this food not for beauty or for strength, nor for pleasure. You don't just recite the words felt the meaning. Okay? You're scooping one spoon of food and you're looking at it and you're reflecting it. But for health, we are taking it for health so that it could maintain this body and may and practice dharma without worry from hunger and thirst. Very short, very precise in my point of view, and covers everything the Buddhists have laid down, how to eat, every aspect of it. And some people, every spoonful, they look at it and they reflect it, quite deeply, not saying, reciting only, and eat another, eat another, eat, and they eat every mouthful with that, based on what kind of practice, meditation they are practicing. That's eating with morality. Second one is eating with concentration, samatha. And samatha is, we are not staring at the food and trying to see it as an object to concentrate, not that way. Okay? We are not using food as a casino, okay? meditation object. But food-related nature especially monks and yogis, these foods are donated. They're donated by people, or some people walk hard, cook hard. They drive two, three hours to one and a half, two hours to hope and deliver the food for us to eat. So in there, what we do was, we look at the food. We look at the food and we project this food coming from whom? Because sometimes a family comes and donates. So we put our mind, okay, we try to visualize this family or apply our mind towards them and their offering of the food. And then we send loving kindness. May they be well happy and peaceful. At that moment, you intensely apply 
radiate that feeling of wellness, happiness, and peace towards the people who donated. And also, of course, there are always volunteers. You also apply loving kindness to the volunteers intensely. And you applied it, and then only after that, you eat. That way of eating is called eating with samatha. In other words, loving-kindness meditation, metta meditation, or samatha meditation. So you apply that, and you eat with that. Eating with samatha. And the third one is eating with vipassana. Eating with vipassana is, we already mentioned right at the onset, when you see the food, seeing, seeing, when you want to stretch the hand for food, stretching, stretching, intending, picking, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. Every moment, of your eating process, it with full awareness, as detailed as possible. And that way of eating is called eating with vipassana. There are four ways of eating. Of course, in our retreat, we emphasize on the, the third one most, but we still apply the first two. First of all, we reflect upon the food and secondly, we send loving kindness to the people who donate and the volunteers. And after that, we eat with it. But emphasis on the vipassana way of eating. But still, we don't miss the other two as well. That is how one eats with three kinds of meditation. Uh, situation with sila, with samadhi, and with pinya, uh, insight. And in here, there's one thing. If you remember, when we are sending or radiating loving kindness towards the people who donate and who are volunteers, actually, it's also not only the loving-kindness meditation, it's also an expression of gratitude. It's also an expression of gratitude. We are also exercising another mental state called gratitude. Because it is a very important. We are able to practice or the monks are able to practice and do the work of Dharma because all these devotees are feeding them, clothing them, and looking after them the best that they could. So the Buddha said, one must be grateful. One must be grateful. And by sending loving-kindness, radiating loving-kindness, a way to show them the gratitude. Not only that, in here, 
there's one thing. We'll put it from the Vinaya of the monks. Vinaya of the monks. Whenever a monk accept an object of food, clothes, things like that, they must be in a pure state of mind. They must be in a pure state of mind. What it means is, let's say I'm offering a robe to a monk. And the rope is on the floor. The monk is sitting there. I just don't say, oh, monk, here is the rope. Okay, put it in the back and get up. Yeah, it's finished. I give, he used. That's all it. That's the function. No, that's not the way to do. When you are offering the rope, you must pick up the rope properly, with respect, you put it into the hand of the monk, and the monk must also accept it, touch with his hand, both. And at that time, the monk has a responsibility and duty. It is not that, okay, take it, finish, no. At that moment, he must put all effort, okay, wherever that is. It's a loving kindness towards you, gratitude towards you, these kind of expression, these kind of nature must be done. But the best way to do the Buddhist head, at that moment, the monk's mind must be free from mental defilements, loba, dosha, and moha. The monk's mind must be free from loba and dosa and moha. He is not taking with greed. He is not taking the road with pleasure. He is, mind is totally okay, looking at the volition of your heart, your bleeding, your act of generosity, your kindness, and the gratitude, all these things all these wholesome mental state, he must be reflecting and thinking. He called aditana, determination. He have decided to associate with all these wholesome mental state. And if he is applying all these wholesome mental state at the moment when he is touching the rope and when you are touching the rope, his mind is free from loba, dosa, and moha. He's not taking the rope with a greedy mind or a happy mind because it's so good. It's a silky rope. If his mind is free from loba, dosha, and moha, the Buddha said that is the best thing, the best thing a monk could do for the devotee. The best thing, the best way of showing his gratitude, the best way of showing his love, the best way of showing his compassion. Because at that moment, he has a pure state of mind. He has a aloba, adosa, amoha, non-greed, non-anger, non-delusion at that moment. His mind is pure, and the donor's heart is filled with happiness. That kind of state 
donating to a person whose mind is free of mental defilements, the donors get the great benefit, the great good karma that will go with a stream of consciousness to the future. That is the best way, that is how ones take. That's why the Buddha said, one of the Brahmana asked a question, no, not a Brahmana, actually, is King Kosala. King Kosala is the devotee of the monk, or the devotee of the Buddha. And also, he is the mm, friend, they were friend when they grow up together. But he's very devoted, and he said, who should I make dana to, offer food to? Asked the Buddha. The Buddha said, you can offer food or dana to anybody to whom you respect. If you offer food to somebody who you respect, you will have a great satisfied feeling. And then he asked, who do I donate to if I want to be most beneficial and profitable? And the Buddha said, donate to an arahat. Your donation will have an enormous amount of good karma and benefits with it. Why arahat? Because arahat mind is all the time free from mental defilements, loba, dosa, and moha. For a person with that kind of purity, you get an enormous amount of kusala. Whatever you are donating, whether it's a, a piece of rope or a, an apple or an orange or one peanut, doesn't matter. At that moment, enormous amount of benefits because of the purity of mind. And if you don't have an arahat, what? If you don't have an arahat, then go for the lower ones. And if you don't have the lower ones, ariya, who do I donate? People who are trying to get their mind pure. In other words, if we are going to put in our own setting, when the yogis who are practicing in hope, they are really trying. Not only that they are trying, they succeed to a certain extent, a certain period of time, their mind is pure. So if a donor's devotees come and offer food to you, and if you eat with a pure mind, whether you can do it for one minute, or 30 seconds, or half an hour, depending on how much effort you put. If you eat that food with the pure mind, moment to moment to moment, then that devotees, that donor get an enormous amount of good merit, good karma, beneficial karma. That is how we can show our gratitude, thanking them, 
for their act of generosity. If we eat that way, they get a lot of good karma, and if that is so, we are truly expressing gratitude towards their actions, towards their generosity, towards their volunteer acts. That is how one gets the most benefits and how you can express your gratitude. So all other things that we are doing all the time, but it is important to know with clarity why theoretical aspects also helps our practice. We are not blindly doing, we are not just chewing, chewing, eating, eating, swallowing, swallowing. In a way, we are truly expressing our gratitude to these donors. So, with those two, we will stop today. One is how to apply your ropes and bowls with full mindfulness. Another one is how to eat food. Now we know three ways of eating, and now we know how to express our gratitude in what way. And above all, at the same time, we are still trying to purify our mind. We don't miss what we are doing, vipassana. May all of you be able to practice samatha vipassana meditation precisely, correctly, and with full understanding. And may you be able to attain path and fruition as soon as possible. Sadhu, 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 Buddham Pujemi, Dhammam Pujemi, Sangam Pujemi. Thank you very much. <laughs>